Thank you for listening to the audio podcast of the King's Crossing Church of Christ. To learn more or subscribe, please visit our website at kingscrossingcoc.com. I hope you are all excited this morning because according to Andy, it doesn't sound like my sermon is going to be safe for work. <laughs> no, but it's good to be here with you this morning. I, it's a pleasure for this uh, to be my first time to preach with y'all. I'm excited for it. I got to preach regularly about every other week when I was uh, living up in Kentucky. And uh, when I wasn't preaching, I was leading singing. So it's really nice for me not to have to do any song leading. We would be in trouble if, uh, if we went down the list with, uh, with all of our song leaders and we came to me. So thank God that we've got a, a deep roster. Anyway, quick question to start us off this morning. How many pet owners do we have in the audience? How many pet owners? Show of hands. Dogs? Yeah? Cats? Okay. Uh, Whitney and William, do horses count? Okay, well, okay, we've got a couple of folks that say horses count. All right. Okay, so... In July of 2014, Linnea and I were getting ready to move up to Lexington, Kentucky for me to start my doctorate. We were still living in Memphis on the campus of the Harding School of Theology, but before we moved, we knew we wanted to get a dog. We wanted to take a little piece of Memphis with us. And if you know anything about Memphis, Memphis has some really great barbecue. We figured that a dog would stick around a little bit longer than the barbecue would, amen? Barbecue probably wouldn't make it out of Memphis. We'd be eating on the way up there. But we've kind of been looking at dogs online for a few weeks, and it really, it's kind of like all the excitement, right, of getting a new car, but way less expensive, yeah? You're walking around, you say, oh, there's a dog. Hey, there's a dog. That's, that's exactly how we were. The problem was we hadn't gone to actually look at any dogs until this one fateful July afternoon. Without warning, and with no obvious reason for me to say this at the moment, I turned to Linnea and said, hey, let's go to the animal shelter. She looked at me like I was crazy, a look that I have come quite accustomed to in our years, and she said, really? I said, yeah. Let's go. Let, come on, let's do something. It'll be fun. She resisted. Linnea had been wanting a dog for a long time now, and since we were just about to move, if we wanted a dog from Memphis, it kind of felt like now or never. And then, as Linnea usually does, she dropped this heavy bit of logic on me that I had trouble refuting. <laughs> she said, I don't want to go to the shelter and find a dog we love and not be able to bring him home with us. A fair point. We were living on campus at Harding School of Theology there, tiny little apartment, and we just weren't allowed to have pets in our on-campus housing. But I assured her, it'll be fine, right? We're just going to go look. It'll be fine. Famous last words, yeah? Well, as we were walking around the shelter, we found some of the dogs that we had seen online. They had their shots up to date, they came from good homes, but the previous owners just couldn't keep a dog. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. There was one in particular that we had found, and to be honest, he looked kind of fun, kind of looked like a fun dog. He was only about five and a half months old, but there was hardly any information about him, so honestly, I didn't really give him a second thought. 
you know. As we kind of slowly meandered our way through the stalls, stopping and looking at the dogs we'd been researching, I could gradually feel my heart rate climb. Now imagine this, okay? Imagine you're the kind of person that likes peace and quiet. And you suddenly, unexpectedly find yourself in the church nursery full of screaming kids because they're angry or yelling kids because they're happy, and then the other kids are yelling and screaming because the other ones are yelling and screaming, okay? That's what it was like for what felt like hours as we wandered and stopped and wandered and stopped. That's exactly how it was. I don't like loud and rambunctious environments. I was, I was ready to bail. I was ready to bail on the whole thing. And then we came to the one that I just mentioned. And what felt like only a split second, Linnea was on the floor petting him as best she could through the, through the fence. You know, he was whining and jumping, desperately trying to lick her as much as possible. Now, I was not entirely sold on this puppy that we had just encountered. But honestly, none of them really seemed that interested in us. And that's kind of a bummer. We were there to choose a dog, right? But it kind of felt like they were choosing us, <laughs> or not choosing us, as the case was. And this is an actual picture from the uh, animal shelter. <laughs> it was clear, however, it was clear to Linnea which dog she wanted. So when we made our way back to the front desk, we asked to see the desperate whiner. Now, if I thought he was energetic, in his cage, right? I had no idea that they were bringing out for us this dog-shaped tornado. We threw the ball for him, we chased him around, and we wrestled him gently, and Linnea was sold. She was practically singing, you're the one, you're the only one, but she was talking about the dog, not the church song. I was on the fence. Uh, you know, is this the one? He's kind of wild. Until we got him back to the front desk. We mentioned that he didn't have a lot of information about him online, so we were asking about his shots and stuff like that. When they looked him up, they told us, oh yeah, he hasn't been here very long. That's why his record looks so incomplete. We do know this though. Turns out he was taken away from his previous owners. They were horribly mean to him. We found out that they had been taking pliers and pulling out his whiskers. The dog fighting is big in the greater Memphis area, and we think he was being trained to fight. When I heard that, Suddenly, all the noise, all the commotion, all the whining, all the yelling, all the screaming, all of that vanished in an instant. All I could see, right, all I could focus on was this little dog with crazy but loving eyes. I didn't register anything else in that moment except one thing, one single thought. Okay, little buddy. You're coming home with us. And this is him in my wife's car. Now, I used to think 
I used to think people were kind of full of themselves, right? When they'd say that they rescued their dog. I'd see somebody with a fun-looking dog out in the neighborhood and ask, oh, hey, what kind of dog is that? It looks like a fun dog. And they'd say, oh, he's a rescue. I'm not familiar with that breed. I thought he was a German shepherd. (laughs) Okay? But after having a dog for several years now, I think I understand what people mean when they say rescue, either from some pain or some abuse or or even a literal life and death situation like ours might have found himself in, they rescued, they saved this animal and brought him into a new family, right? A new community. Now, this whole time I've been talking about our dog, I hope you can tell that I'm not just talking about a dog, right? To save something, or more importantly, to save someone from pain or death, to pull them out of literal or metaphorical slavery or an abusive relationship or their own self-destruction and to bring them into a new life-giving community is to redeem someone. And redemption is at the heart of what Jesus wanted to teach people about God. We have this great story in the Gospels. I know we have some new Christians in here, and so the Gospels are these four accounts of Jesus' life and teaching. They start off the New Testament. We've got this great story in the Gospels where someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Now, what what this guy is really asking Jesus is, what is the most important commandment? Now, before we even get to Jesus' answer, I want to say, I want to pause just for a second to talk about this word commandment. Even if you didn't grow up in church, and that's many of us, and if you're watching online, that might apply to you as well. Even if you didn't grow up in church, I'm willing to bet you've at least heard of the Ten Commandments. Seems like those kind of perennially come up, whether or not they belong in courthouses or anything like that. That's another conversation for another time. But to think about them as rules or laws is fine. To think about something like the Ten Commandments as rules or laws is fine, but they're that and so much more than just rules or laws. Think about them like this. They're like the most powerful and meaningful guiding principles that direct your life toward what is truly ultimately good. These commandments, especially the first ten that Moses delivered, these commandments show us what matters to God, what's important to God. And if you've ever truly loved someone, I think you can understand to some degree that what is important to them, what's truly important to them can also be important to you. So fast forward back from the Old Testament into the New Testament where this guy comes and asks Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Here, when you read that from now on, when you hear what is the, mo- what is the greatest commandment, hear him asking, what is the most important commandment? Well, what does Jesus say? If you grew up in church, you might know. I'm going to paraphrase, but Jesus basically says this, The most important commandment, the most important guiding principle or directive for life is for you to do what? 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if there's any doubt about what Jesus thinks, about how Jesus thinks we ought to love God, notice what he says here. He expounds on that a little bit. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With your heart. What do you yearn for? What do you desire? With your soul, what do you live for? Love the Lord your God with all your mind. What do you pay attention to? What do you devote your thoughts to? What is shaping the way you think? And with your strength, what do you do? What do you spend your time doing? What do you work for? And what do you strive after? It's a quick question. Does Jesus stop with just one commandment? No. Just in case there's any confusion about what Jesus wants to say, he gives the guy the second most important commandment. That's bonus material. This guy only asked for one. Jesus says, hey, there's more to it than that. To paraphrase again, you must love your neighbor like you would love yourself. Have you ever noticed that both of these commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, both of these commandments involve you and someone else? Now, maybe that's obvious. Maybe that's obvious. Have you ever stopped and wondered, though, what does that really mean? If you have been redeemed from the slavery of sin, you have been bought and brought into a community of redeemed people who are working, striving with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, trying to align their life with these same guiding principles of loving God and loving others. How many of you have ever moved from one city to another? Show of hands. Most of us. Most of us. All right. So you know, you know how important it is, right, to find out what you can about the community that you're going to move to. Lene and I were really excited when we found a house a couple of miles down the street. We were not as excited when we found out it was the same neighborhood as Mark and Carolina. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Y'all, y'all don't tell him I burned on him while he was gone. Especially don't tell Carolina, okay? (laughs) So what does this redeemed community look like? Well, look around you. You can look around you. That's what this redeemed community looks like. There's a variety of ages, professions, skill sets, incomes, interests, ethnicities, cultural and educational backgrounds, and these are by no means the most important features of the redeemed community. The Apostle Paul has this to say to a group who are having some pretty serious trouble figuring out what it meant to live together in a redeemed community. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 4 through 7, he says this. Now, there's a vari- there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And the varieties of activities, 
but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation. Another way to say that is to each is given a different expression of the same Spirit for the common good. I really like how one professor, uh, one uh, professor of mine says this. Um, he says, Paul emphasizes that all the gifts are different, but all are useful. And so a Christian with one gift is no more or less important than another Christian with a different gift. Another way to put this is this. All the people with gifts in the church have a role to play for the common good they have a mission to fulfill. And so when we are redeemed, we're brought into a community of mission. We are redeemed for a purpose. Peter the fisherman has this life-changing encounter with Jesus that gives him a new community and a new mission. He's going to start fishing for people, and he might not even understand what that, understand what that means uh, off the bat, but he's going to bring them, uh, he's eventually going to figure out that that means fishing for people means bringing them into the community and the kingdom of God. Paul has this life in, life-changing encounter with Jesus that gives him a new community and a new mission to preach the good news about what Jesus offers to people who have probably never even heard about Jesus. And so, again, we can take Paul, for example, whenever he found, wherever he found himself, wherever he found himself, he took the opportunity to minister to the people around him in the name of Jesus. Listen to this line from Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi, a city in the northern part of Greece. Also keep in mind that Paul is writing this letter when he is in prison. He says, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me, these chains that I'm wearing… What has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel. Paul's in prison, and he's talking about how good it is to be in prison. (laughs) What? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters who are all the more confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, well, guess what? They dare to speak the word with bolder, with greater boldness, and without fear. One day, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, at the church that I worked at in uh, Kentucky, they had a ladies' day, and I was literally the only male in the building because in a church of about uh, 90 or so people, I was the only one, I was the only guy who was willing to offer childcare. <laughs> So I was tucked away in the back. I was tucked away in the back, and occasionally I'd walk by, you know, if, uh, if, if Pete or one of the other kids needed to, to run to the bathroom. And I kept hearing the same chant over and over again from the speaker, bloom where you're planted. Wherever you find yourself, bloom where you're planted. Last week, Justin and I had uh, lunch with Jesus and a couple that we'd never met before because Jesus pulled over next to them at a traffic light, and they looked like they were having a rough time, and Jesus asked them if they needed someone to pray for them, and amazingly, they said yes. How many people do you know that you'd pull up at a traffic light and say, hey, do you need me to pray for you? It's like, I, I got to get to work. I got somewhere else. And that's the nice things that they would say to you, right? These folks said yes and invited them to lunch. 
and Justin and I had a good time getting to know them. But this surprising and random act of wanting to share the gospel with somebody, that's fulfilling the mission. I'll admit, I'm not very good at that kind of ministry. Maybe I haven't had a lot of opportunity. Maybe it scares me a little bit. I don't know. But on Friday, a couple of days ago, Linnea and the boys and I were headed to the park in our neighborhood, and uh, this guy walked up, a single father, who uh, turns out he's 23, single dad, had his son there with him, and uh, we got to talking. We talked about kids, and I was able to share a little bit of the insight I have gained in my few years as a parent. The dad, the other dad, expressed interest in being a better man and mentioned how he had left his home somewhere up north. I guess everywhere in the U.S. is basically up north from where we are. I was going to say Virginia. I would never really call that up north, but that's where he was from. (laughs) He left his home from out of state to get away from toxic friends and family. And I talked about how, how it hit me pretty hard Right before Pete was born, our our firstborn, he's going to turn five soon. I talked about how it hit me pretty hard that at one point, right before he was born, I realized it's, uh, nobody else can, can do this role but me, given our situation, I have to be the man that I want him to, to grow up to be. I have to be the man that I want him to grow up to be. And I shared that, a little bit of insight with our with our new friend at the park. I am hoping to get lunch with this guy sometime this week. He lives in our neighborhood. I'd appreciate your prayers for that because that's a little out of my comfort zone. Conversations like those fulfill the mission. Mark and Justin regularly have times of spiritual direction with folks from our, our church, and Crystal ministers to so many children and parents and rainbow teachers that is fulfilling the mission. And to borrow a line from the book of Hebrews, time would fail me, right, if I talked about Buck's work or the role that the Degollados filled while they were here, or Dion or Kathy Jacobs and Hunter, not to mention the elders, and literally hundreds, right, literally hundreds of other folks connected to this church. If you take account, hundreds includes each and every one of us. Everyone in this church family has a vital role to play. And if you're visiting with us, watching online, and maybe you're not sure about church or God or whatever, let me encourage you with this. God wants to redeem you, to give you a new community and a new purpose. You may not know what it is yet, But if you've ever felt like there's something more, right, if you've ever felt like there's something more to life than the daily grind that work, friends, money, or anything else you can fill your time with, still doesn't quite satisfy what you're looking for, don't keep going back to those same old friends who don't want to see your life get cleaned up because it exposes their darkness all the more. Move. Go ahead and move. And when your old life comes looking for you, Tell them you don't live there anymore. You've got a new community and a new purpose. Speaking of our old lives, that reminds me, 
There's one more thing I forgot to mention about our dog. His name is Gibson. Now, more than a few times when we've told somebody his name, they'll say, oh, yeah, like the guitar company. Actually, he's named after our favorite donut shop in East Memphis, okay? <laughs> he had a different name before we rescued him. I still feel kind of weird saying that. He had a different name before we rescued him, though. His name was Pierre. Pierre, French version of Peter. That feels like a really sophisticated name for a dog, right? Pierre, and here's my other dog, Jeeves. <laughs> we have never said that name to our dog. We have never called him by that name. He has only ever heard us call him Gibson. No, that might not seem like a big deal, right? It's just a name. And maybe it isn't. But here's how I like to look at it. To us, he was Pierre when he was unloved and abused, treated like nothing more than bait for some quick cash. But as Gibson, as Gibson, he's loved, he's cherished, he's fun, he's loyal, he's playful, he's Linnea's running companion. I'm not going to get out there and run. Are you kidding me? He's Samuel's jungle gym and so many other good things. When God redeems you, you become so much more than what you were. The devil tells you that you're stupid, worthless, sissy, annoying, a bad mom or a bad dad, ugly, just an addict, just a drunk, a strung out, good for nothing loser. He constantly reminds you, remember what you did. No one could love you. No one does, you don't deserve anyone. But when God redeems you, the waters of baptism and the blood of Jesus wash these things away. You are first and foremost his beloved child. You are precious in his sight. He scoops you up in his arms and gently says, I love you, my child. I love you. Hold my hand and walk with me. Let my love give you life and peace and beauty and goodness and true freedom. It's a love like this that I don't deserve, but I get often enough. When I'll be sitting at our desk, working on something, Pete, our four-year-old, who has all of his mother's good looks and all of his father's personality quirks, <laughs> Pete will come up to me and say, Daddy, I just want to sit with you because I love you. And he'll actually say that. I just want to sit with you because I love you. That kind of love. God offers us these things today, right here and now, life, peace, beauty, and goodness like we've never experienced. If you would like to accept God's invitation today to join this redeemed community and to have a new purpose, you're encouraged to do one of two things if you'd like. You can pray with one of our church's elders more privately in the back. We'll have some guys in the back you to go pray with, or if you're moved to make a public confession, you're welcome to come down front, 
talk and pray with me, and then maybe we'll see what the next steps are. Would you please stand for this next song? And if you need prayer, please take advantage.